God Hears Her. God Hears Her. God Hears Her is brought to you. Is brought to you. By our Daily Bread Ministries. Visit GodHearsHer.org. Visit GodHearsHer.org. Or find us on social for more information. I started to believe a lie. No matter what I did, I would never be accepted or worthy of love. Where was that planted in you? I think there were multiple seasons of my life that made me feel unworthy of love. But when I went through my divorce... And I felt like I lost a lot of my community, a lot of my friends. Did they like take sides? Take sides, judged me, you know, being somebody of faith and going through a divorce, Mm -hmm. like that's already hard. And then the comments and the gossip and the drama, and that was probably the most destructive thing for me. You're listening to God Hears Her, a podcast for women where we explore the stunning truth that God hears you. He sees you, and He loves you because you are His. Find out how these realities free you today on God Hears Her. Hey guys, welcome to God Hears Her. My name's Erin Eddy. And I'm Elisa Morgan. And as we launch season one of this podcast, our team thought it was important for you to hear from us, from Erin and myself, and how we've felt seen and heard and noticed and loved by God ourselves, because that's really why we're here. Yeah. That's why God Hears Her exists, because we want to see women free to become all that God has for them to become. And it begins with realizing how much God loves us. And for both of us, we have stories of how God has met us, which will be really fun to share as well, I think. Sometimes maybe not fun, but important, right? This is actually where we're going to start season one, by hearing your story, Mm Erin, because you and I aren't sitting behind these microphones because of something special that we've done. We're really here because God has met us, you and me, and he's transformed us, shaped us. I mean, you might not be able to tell by looking, but it's true. And so today, let's start with you, Erin. I wanna hear some of your story. Yeah, all right, well, let's do that. But before we jump in, just a quick note for our listeners. If you miss anything in today's show or want a reference point for the conversation, the show notes are filled with talking points as well as links to resources mentioned on today's show. We also have a link to a free resource from our Daily Bread Publishing that you may want to check out. And we will tell you more about that at the end of this episode. And of course, all of the information and more can be found on our website, godhearsher.org. Okay, Erin, so let's get to it. You're the founder of a lifestyle brand called So Worth Loving, which we're going to talk about a lot today. Let's take a few minutes first. Tell me a little bit about your upbringing, about your mom, about your dad. I grew up in such a quirky household. So quirky? It's quirky. So it's really fun to talk about them. <laughs> Is quirky good or bad? Wonderful. Okay. okay, good. All right, go. Tell us about yes. them. So my mom's from Indiana and my dad is from Ohio. Okay, those are not quirky states. No offense no, no, to anybody no, no, who's no, listening. Yeah, no, no, that's normal. not quirky. That's okay, not quirky. Okay. But they went on two dates and then got engaged. That's quirky. And they've been together for 42 years. Wow. But they moved to North Georgia. So they had two people from the north coming down to the south. And I grew up on 16 acres. We bred Great Danes. Mm. We bred Jack Russells. Not together. You you were more the size of a Jack Russell than a Great Dane for anybody who's listening, just so everybody knows. Okay. Okay. That's right. Um, The Great Danes were like horses. (laughs) So I grew up with just pigs and Great Danes and Jack Russells. We had macaws. I'm one of three girls. uh, So my poor dad. 
Mm. We had four women in the house. Mm. The only male we had was another dog mm. that was a male dog named Moses. Cute. Um, <laughs> but they manufactured furniture in okay. North Georgia. How did your childhood shape you? I learned resilience with my parents because I think they're entrepreneurs, manufacturing furniture, owning a business. I watched them get hit with adversity. Mm-hmm. And I watched them as a team mm-hmm. face it together okay. and be resilient through it. Were they followers of Christ? Mm-hmm. Did they know Jesus? Yeah, they do. Did you see that? I did. Um, more than, um, I guess, rules, and but more like a relationship with Jesus and learning how to talk to him and have conversations with him. And my parents actually rented an apartment an hour and a half away that was Uh, close to a church that my dad wanted us to attend. So every weekend we would drive from North Georgia to Atlanta. That's committed. Yeah. Wow. (laughs) And then he would drop me off at school on Monday on his way to the factory. Oh, goodness. That's (laughs) a lot. Now, now you ended up working in the family business, right? So you liked this concept of resilience enough to to buy in yourself. Yes. I got to learn a lot about creativity and managing people. I got to manage one of their retail stores that they had. They had a few, and then they sold wholesale all over the United States. Mm -hmm. I worked in showrooms. Um, I helped buy for the stores. Mm -hmm. So retail was already in my blood at a young age, but it was primarily interior design. So furniture, accessories, home decor, things like that. And you ended up leaving that business and Mm -hmm. you were asking, now what, God, kind of a thing, because you kind of learned by jumping in and doing. Yes. Well, so when I graduated high school, I didn't go to college. I didn't know what I wanted to do, but I knew college was not my path. And naturally, parents would be like, oh no, like, what is, then what's she going to do? And my parents were very like, okay, well, they were open-handed to me just exploring what it is that I wanted to do. And when I discovered this organization called Orange, nonprofit near Atlanta, I went to the founder and I was like, basically begged for a job. Because I didn't have a degree, I didn't have any credentials, I didn't have a resume. Mm -hmm. All I had were like what I did at school and then showed that I worked really hard at my parents' job. Like whatever it is that they needed me to do, I would do. So I guess that was the resiliency that I learned. I think so. You know, I think what we're hitting on right here in this is something I totally relate to, too. So many times, whether we go to college or not, whether we finish high school or not, whatever, we're always thinking, well, there's one specific door that God's going to open and I'm going to go through it. There's my next. And I can remember (laughs) after leaving seminary, for me, I was like, now what, God? And somebody kind of nudged me, well, why don't you go apply to at this college, you know, you could be their dean of women. I'm like, shazam, that sounds really fancy. I don't know about me. But I did apply, and I ended up being accepted. I didn't, like, go connect the dots, you know, and here's my A plus B equals C kind of a thing. And I'm not hearing that in you either. It's like you felt this nudge, Mm -hmm. and you went through the next door. And for you, it was applying your resilience. Yes, exactly. Okay. Because my parents, I watched them do that. With a business, with the flux of the economy, you kind of had to just be in tuned with the Lord and what he has next for you. And sometimes you don't know what he has next for you at all. So you just have to be trusting that whatever the circumstance is, he's going to take you through and he's going to be right there. And maybe we could even say your next might not be your always right. or your forever. 
So I was at that organization for four and a half years. Okay. And I was an art director there. So I learned all the different things. I learned how to put data cards into spreadsheets to working at conferences to then working with graphic designers and being an art director and leading them and, mm-hmm. and helping. So it was interesting because in all of that preparation of the four and a half years there, I feel like it prepared me for So Worth Loving. Uh, spreadsheets to putting yourself out there to leading a team. Okay. And it, so it's interesting to go back to what you said earlier about mm-hmm. it was like I was just being nudged in my growth with that organization to then recognize it's preparing me for owning So Worth Loving. And it sounds like you jumped in and did some things that weren't necessarily things you were skilled to do or things right. you loved doing, but they prepared you. They yes. made you again more resilient yes. so that then when you were able to say, this is what I want to do with your company, yep. you were clearer. How did you end up starting So Worth Loving? So I was a musician. Oh my gosh, we are just nudged through the door. <laughs> now the next door, now the next <laughs> no. door. So while I was working at this organization, I was also a singer by night and I all my music was uplifting and encouraging. And so I thought, all right, well, I want to love on my fans, but I hate the word fans. They're like family members but I don't have any money to buy inventory. So I'll do the scrappy thing and I'll just put my home address on my blog and I'll say, mail me your personal shirt and I'll spray paint that you're worthy of love and I'll mail it back to you for free. And in the middle of doing that, it just kind of started evolving and I, I felt this responsibility that I needed to show up and remind people they're worthy of love because when I started encouraging people to believe that and wear it, mm-hmm. I saw how much of a deficit there is in it. Tell me what So Worth Loving is. Hmm. Oh, it's the love of my life. (laughs) (laughs) Why? Why? Um, So Worth Loving is an organization that bridges the gap between not talking about the struggles of self-worth and talking about it. And we use many different mediums to bring that conversation about. So So Worth Loving is really applying to you and me, to us, to God's humans on this planet, and helping them embrace their worth. We're so worth loving. Is that what it's about? Yeah, that we're worthy of love, no matter our past mistakes, Mm -hmm. relationship status, career choice, Mm -hmm. the history that we came from, that we are infinitely worthy of love. And our goal is to, to be the mirror and to remind people that they are worthy of love and for them to see themselves the way that God sees them. How did this message get formed in you in such a way that it's your life's work? Yeah. (laughs) Uh, One of my friends said something to me. They said, when you started So Worth Loving, you didn't know what it would pan out to be. They said, I think that So Worth Loving was your refuge. Because I don't think you understood Mm -hmm. what it meant to know that you were worthy of love through God's eyes. Is it almost like God nudged you through a door where he would become your teacher on a topic you needed to know, and then, oh, by the way, the rest of the universe can know about this? Exactly. Okay. And what's so interesting is that I watched other people and was present for other people's stories before I started to be really, truly transparent and present about mine. I think like a zillion percent of people, women especially, feel this way today. Um, Dove, you know, the beauty bar folks did a survey and worldwide discovered that 96% of women would never use the word beautiful to describe themselves. Mm. It's powerful. And that's even those of us who know God and are called to him and Mm. who he has declared beauty over. 
we don't see it. Yeah. And so this concept of unworthiness, I think, is very similar for that. Why do you think it's so hard for us to yeah. experience worthiness, our worth? I heard somebody say this, and I, I thought it was so profound. He said that the enemy watches and studies what we struggle with, and then he sets out to confirm it mm. and uses good and bad people. Like throws it. up mirrors around us. Like, Here's your really wonky day, Elisa. Now mm-hmm. look in this mirror and it's going to reflect that right back it's to you. It's going to confirm yeah. that lie that you believe about yourself. Mm-hmm. He sets out to confirm it. Mm-hmm. I think for me, he had planted something in me at 15 years old. That was a slow drip to bring me to almost a place of rock bottom. But what's so beautiful about that whole thing that is that God always brings beauty back in Mm -hmm. and he always uses whatever the enemy wants to use for bad he always brings for good i hate to ask you this but can you punch pause just for a second but i want you to pick up right there when we come back because you're right the enemy can fill us with so many wrong ideas that confuse us and lead us away from the truth that god is for us and i don't want to lose that idea so let's come back and begin again right there this is god hears her And we'll be back in just a moment. Hey guys, if you're enjoying the show today, would you please take a minute and write a quick review and rate us on iTunes and really on whatever podcast platform you listen to. Reviews and ratings help us reach more people because iTunes and other podcast platforms push highly rated shows in front of more people. So if you could take a minute, Write a quick review and rate us. That would be so helpful in reaching more women with the message that God hears her. Welcome back to God Hears Her. I'm Elisa Morgan. And I'm Erin Eddy. And before we jump back into our conversation, we want to let you know that if you miss anything in today's show, check out today's talking points included in the show notes. You will also find a link to a free resource titled When Violence Comes Home by Tim Jackson. Spousal abuse is a growing problem in our culture and it takes on many forms. And this e-booklet offers some insight into this problem as well as help for both victims and the offenders. So click on the link in the show notes or visit godhearsher.org to get your free copy of When Violence Comes Home by Tim Jackson. That's godhearsher.org. Okay, Erin, so before the break, we were talking a little bit about how the enemy throws up these warped mirrors, these false pictures of who you are. What has God developed in you to help you recognize when this is happening and so you can see yourself the way he sees you? I had so many masks on that I had to be completely stripped of anything I found my identity in that was apart from him. What stripped you? A divorce. Okay. A divorce. At what age were you married? I was 21. Yeah, so young. And so that was a a tool, Mm -hmm. a divorce that broke you in some hard ways. It did. Yeah. I, I had shared that my heart had to be shattered in some ways in order to see the holes that God wanted to fill all along. But I had resistance to even accept or believe that he could love me so recklessly and so beautifully. How do we get stripped to the place where we're vulnerable and God can reach us? Yeah, I think 
we struggle sometimes with being vulnerable because either one, somebody has used it against us. So we shame ourselves and we live in that shame and that kind of secrecy of how we truly feel. And in living in secrecy, it's isolation mm-hmm. and separation. You so, sound like you've experienced this. Has somebody used your vulnerability against you? Yeah. Oh, and it goes back to that mm-hmm. relationship. Mm-hmm. Okay. If I was my truest self, mm-hmm. that self wasn't good enough. Mm-hmm. So somebody used who I truly was and said it was wrong and it's not lovable. Mm-hmm. And so we start to believe that. So mm-hmm. we kind of like, like sh- kind of put a, like again, like a mask or like, a ref, like deflect we hide we hide we hide, <laughs> we hide. yeah we go underground so i used to call it the, the periscope yeah <laughs> you know, down 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 i'm like i'm out of here you know and all i'm leave a little wake up at the top of the water because i'm not safe here right does that mean we should never expose ourselves how do we make choices smart choices wise choices to stop the hiding it starts out with intimacy really with god mm-hmm. with allowing him to be and then gradually slowly revealing that to others and letting yeah. them reflect it back. But we got to stay plugged into him or, because we're going to keep getting hurt, right? It's so true. And I had heard, and there's a worship song of that too, like, I am who you say I am. And, you know, and I, I had always prayed like, God, I want to see myself the way you see me. But I didn't pray that prayer until I actually acknowledged how I saw myself. Mm-hmm. And that sounds, again, like so triter. So like, that's sweet. Like, that's such a fluffy thing that we've heard. Like, See yourself the way God sees you. Like that sounds, unfortunately, that's, we're used to hearing that. Mm-hmm. But I don't think we really acknowledge the weight of what that means. And maybe it's because we're scared to be vulnerable with how we see ourselves. You just said something kind of powerful. We're afraid to see and hear ourselves. Yeah. What is that about, Erin? What do you mm. think we're afraid of? Hmm. I think that if you've never had somebody model genuine, authentic love, like earthly love. Mm-hmm. How could an abstract love of God mm-hmm. even exist? Mm-hmm. For me, that was a hard thing for me. How could it, if I bared all to him and showed him all my mess that he already sees and knows? Mm-hmm. <laughs> he, already, he already knows it. <laughs> but if I was honest about it and brought it to him, that he would still say that I'm lovable. Mm-hmm. I think that's really hard to swallow. I think that's hard to accept. I think that we're skeptical of it. Absolutely. And I, it's because maybe we know ourselves. Yeah, I, yeah. Maybe we compartmentalize. You know, yeah. maybe we say, here's the Elisa in front of people, and you see what you see, and here's the other Elisa in private that I only see. I, I yeah. had a, a friend. Okay, it's my therapist. Uh, tell, me, <laughs> tell me that there is a... A private self, mm. who we are in private, and then there's a public self that's kind of a shell outside of that private self. So there's somebody inside that I know about, and there's somebody outside that everybody else sees. And the distance between the private self and the public self yeah. is the degree to which we have integrity. Mm. And that so challenged that's me, good. because I can experience that gap between private Elisa and public Elisa. I can experience it and I know it. So for me, almost daily, it's a matter of measuring between private Elisa Mm. and public Elisa. And am I seeing and hearing myself? Can I bring that to God and let him see and hear and let him show me what he sees and hears? And I might correct some things. I might ask him to help me correct some things. Yeah. 
But then maybe I can have the guts to see and hear somebody else and let them see and hear me. Hmm. What do you still hide from, even though God's wooed you up to his lap and holds you close to his heart? <laughs> what do you still hold back, like in a fist behind your back going, not this one, God? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think that I've bared all now. <laughs> that There's no hiding anymore. Mm. There is no hiding anymore because that kind of love I've craved, but it was always there. Do you still hide from other people? I wouldn't say that I hide from other people. I think that I'm a little bit more, what's the word, timid in showing all of myself. Mm -hmm. You've been burned a a bit. Yeah, Yeah. tiptoe. And and maybe, you know, it's not smart to to throw out everything, yeah. right? All caution. Right. That's probably not smart, right? I'm thinking about First John 4, where, where John writes, there's no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. That's mm. a really hard thing to do, yes. though. But there is something that God gives us when he loves us that shields us yeah. anew in such a way that we can yeah. take a risk, maybe, yeah. and continue forward. Yeah. Okay, if our listeners hear nothing else in this podcast... What do you hope they remember? You know, if you just talk straight up to a listener right now, Mm. probably a woman, could be a man, but whoever's listening, they struggle with experiencing being seen and heard by God, by other people. Yeah. What would you say to them right now? Mm. I would encourage them to do an exercise that I did that helped me. And first I had to admit the lies that I was starting to live in. And so I took a dry erase marker and I wrote every lie on my mirror, every single thing. And that was hard. I mean, I was like snot crying and I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> ugly cry. I'm like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, that's how I feel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm writing it all over my mirror. I wrote it all there. And then I grabbed my Bible and I read scripture and truth over to release myself from it. So if anybody that's struggling with wanting to know how to be seen and heard by God. They already are, but facing the things that may be blocking them from accepting his love that's already been there. Here's one of my favorite helps as well. When Jesus dipped down in the Jordan River and was baptized by John the Baptist and he was raised right back up, a voice from heaven with a a dove said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased, my beloved son, in whom I'm well pleased. And I like to remember that, Aaron, that God sees me through Jesus. Yeah, He sees all of us through Jesus as his beloved ones. And that's where your dry erase, you know, your mirror, he takes an eraser and wipes Mm -hmm. it out Mm -hmm. and sees and hears the truth of who you are Mm. and how much he adores each one of us. Yeah. This was so good, Erin. Thank you for being willing to open up and share your story. This is going to be a really great podcast season. We have some great guests with great stories like Margaret Feinberg, Mm -hmm. Vivian Mabuni, Philip Yancey, Gary Thomas. All of these women and men have stories of how God has radically shown up in their lives and how he has heard them and how he has seen them. And of course, we will hear your story Mm -hmm. as well, which I'm really excited about that one too. For those of you listening, 
Don't forget to check out the show notes to see not only the talking points of today's episode, but also we have a link to a free resource titled When Violence Comes Home by Tim Jackson. There's some really good stuff there that you can find it all in the show notes. And of course, there's more information about what's coming up on season one. It's available on our website, godhearsher.org. That's godhearsher.org. And so check it out. We hope you'll come back for our next episode. And don't forget, God sees you. He hears you. He loves you because you are his. It takes a team to create a podcast. And today we want to thank Bobby, Daniel, and Kim for all your help in creating and sharing the God Hears Her podcast. You are awesome. Thank you all. Thank you.